is episode 173 of the Anarchist News Podcast, a digest on anarchist activity, ideas, and conversations from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. We hope it's useful to and fun for anarchists and the anarcho-curious. Give us feedback and constructive criticism by email at podcast.anarchistnews.org. For more information and usually some good commentary, see you at your favorite non-sectarian anarchist site with commentary, anarchistnews.org. What's new this week? Gifts to the state against the fire of revolt from I'm Getting Dizzy. It's going down article recognizing the weaknesses of big umbrella tactics, even while they maintain their emphasis on lowest common denominator issues, as if those two prongs can be kept separate. Anyway, if you're new to the idea that the left has inherent contradictions, especially around racial identity, this piece might be jarring for you. Quote, FTP2 had similar issues. This time around, the question of why a radical demonstration should include marshals at all was countered by organizers as a form of protection against police. The speeches by organizers were long and dragged out, giving an initially confused NYPD the chance to amass their forces on all sides. Organizers gave speeches harping on identity politics, and in one case refused to finish their speech until the crowd moved around to their liking and all white people went to the back. Throughout the day, protest marshals repeated many of the same errors they made in the first march, but worse. Multiracial groups were yelled at to split up, marshals policed each other before realizing they were both marshals, and repeated assumed racial identities at point-blank range, and yelled at brown and indigenous comrades who had their faces covered to go to the back as, quote, white allies, unquote. This is not particularly useful as analysis, but if you can winnow effectively, there might be helpful information in what is more or less a report back. Solidarity with the people in the streets of Portland from CrimeThink. Fascism gets ever closer. Police and explicit fascists work together. Democracy will not save us. Some details about named politicians, but that's the gist. Three comments for this piece, right on point with their disagreement slash clarification. Greece, everything is coming to a boil, from CrimeThink and Radio Fragmata. A report on the Greek state freaking out, as so many seem to be these days, and cracking down on anarchists as the most handy distraction. Not positive that analysis is totally correct, but it does fit the evidence as we have it. Greece, again, like many others, is in dire straits economically, and regimes do like to hold on to power. People continue to be in the streets with vandalism and confrontations of politicians, prisoner hunger strikes, etc. The victim of an extensive beating and other mistreatment by cops subsequently dies. Chances are high that the beating was instrumental in his death. Shit's fucked up. The Anarchist Union of Afghanistan. Yeah! Well, help me figure out a better system. Just do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to hit you. Okay, go. The Anarchist Union of Afghanistan and Iran's interview with The Ray from AzraNarshism.com. A pretty basic set of questions and answers from an anarchist group of Afghanistan and Iran to a propaganda project in Belarus called The Ray, or Pramen, which ANews has been getting articles from for at least a year now. There's some brief history of anarchism in Belarus. It was popular in the early 20th century, then destroyed by the Bolsheviks, and now it's gaining ground since the 1980s. Pramen estimates there are about 40 to 50 active anarchists in Belarus now. The prominent spokesperson is all about effectiveness, so even lifestyle anarchism might be okay. Technical side note, for some amusingly broken language but working links, check out the story and laugh. Dope Magazine, from the Bristol Post. Dope Magazine has been going on for two years now. In Berkeley, for decades, there has been a thing called The Street Sheet, a newspaper produced by a nonprofit for homeless people to sell slash give away, a tactic for people who are panhandling, a way to have something to offer people who might be generous and an indicator that the sellers are good, upstanding unhoused people, not violent, chaotic ones. This British anarchist group has reinvented this tactic, and they added marketing to the mix. Quote, Speaking to Bristol Live, Craig said he started the project after being unnerved by the rising problem of homelessness close to where he worked at a publisher called Dog Section Press, based at the world's oldest anarchist publishing house. The homelessness was shockingly visible outside our office and visibly getting worse, he said. We started to give the magazines out to local homeless people in the area, just as an experiment, really. We thought it would be a good way to get the magazines out to people, and it turned out to be really popular, unquote. One more step, if you would be mutual aid. Stop blaming everything bad on anarchists. From the Washington Post by Kim Kelly. While Kelly's writing is impressive for Teen Vogue, here it is less so. Quote, This reflexive tick to associate anarchism with thoughtless discord betrays a profound ignorance of leftist ideology. 
The problem is that no one seems to understand what anarchism is or what its adherents are seeking to accomplish. And that lack of understanding is going to end up endangering a lot of people. We're rapidly approaching a point in which dissent is further criminalized, the justified rage and pain fueling these protests is further delegitimized, and anyone who engages in any form of protest outside the pre-approved liberal template becomes a target for surveillance or worse, unquote. Seems to me to be pretty clear that, quote, lack of understanding, unquote, is not what is going to get people hurt. And that's not even getting to her definition of direct action, quote, use of political protest to achieve a goal, unquote. Good lord. Kelly is, perhaps, not to be blamed for her inadequate wording here, even beyond the question of what editors do to the writing of journalists. Encompassing the vast and myriad differences between anarchists is a stretch even for us experienced old warhorses. Later on, the piece begins to recover some ground by positioning violence more appropriately. At any rate, this piece demonstrates the lack of facility that the media has generally had with Trump's tactic of distraction and blame. But a journalist gotta eat, as do we all. Only two comments on this thread, but both are solid, so nice. The operation in Portland is only a dress rehearsal from Esquire.com by Charles P. Pierce, the first of a spate of articles on the fascist move in Portland, which everyone is sure to have heard of by now. Secret police, we know now that they are mercenaries, send out to round up troublemakers by abducting them into unmarked cars. Charles Pierce references Pinochet and questions why these tactics are being justified by vandalism and implicitly the use of the word violent for said vandalism. But it's not much of an article after so many years of outrage and hoopla about Trump, even if this is a dramatic new step. There's a much better comment unanswered so far, unfortunately, drawing the connection between police tactics and work. Also, Chad Wolf, central casting anyone? Learning from Portland from Anon by Black Flag Catalyst. Ah, the activists. This piece has some tips and information, like identifying vans being used by snatch squads and the now decade-old concept of a boring block. Quote, Further, this sheriff's office is located in a white, rich neighborhood. Police there weren't even wearing gas masks because they weren't willing to tear gas in a white, rich neighborhood. Instead, they bull rushed the crowd, still dangerous, but a lot better than breathing in more gas. Organize in areas like this as much as possible. Take the fight to them, unquote. So it's good for some practical tips, but also kind of embarrassing. Quote, federal agents and police together have been seen brutalizing bystanders or protesters simply passing by, aimed and fired their supposedly less lethal rounds not only at people, but at people's heads, which can 100% kill someone, and drawn their guns due to them being fucking pussies and getting scared when people heckle them, unquote. What? Am I the only one embarrassed by calling pathetic people pussies? Okay then. Anyway, per usual, the tips and info are interspersed with grandiosity in the name of responsible action. But this piece is better than usual for activists. Higher ratio of practical to jargon than usual. Time for Artists Mutual Aid from Anon by Stephen Pritchard. This is an appeal for artists to work together to create change and get work. Also, movement of movements, yo. Moving on. For Collective Self-Defense from Act for Freedom Now. A thumbnail about a case that demonstrates the shift in Italy, as in so many places now, to attacking association, the friends and families of people, as well as the people themselves. Quote, that underground world that the law and police cannot enter is precisely the ethical fabric that has written the most beautiful pages of rebel humanity, allowing, and still does in the four corners of the planet, revolutionary movements to hold on. In this bandit history, our future is still being written, unquote. Also a call for solidarity and court support in July 22nd in Brescia. Attack against Ford from Anarchists Worldwide, a communique. Four incendiary devices at a Ford car dealership that equips the state. Quote, by this action, we choose to be the aroma of the night flowers that clogs the nostrils with decay. And we want this smell to break every authoritarian nose, to close every mouth that pukes shit to cut every hand that points at our bodies full of racism, homophobia, and sexism, unquote. Indeed. Spreading ideas against power in their society. From Act for Freedom Now, announcing a new anarchist publication from Chile called Estadio Antisocial, or Antisocial Outburst. Quote, This is why we deny all typecasting. We are not the people. We are not a class. We are not a vanguard. We do not proclaim ourselves part of a glorious front line or any other fictitious social or idealized category to homogenize individuals in the midst of the revolt. We rebel against all social norms and impositions, aiming at the formation of associations that are free and consistent with our essence. 
individuals in struggle living the revolt as a continuous present that forges its own evolution in the destruction of the existent in constant conflict with authority and hierarchical ways of relating and for the permanent construction of anarchic links of autonomy and horizontality in the here and now nothing more but also nothing less unquote looking forward to more from them letter from anarchist comrade beppe from anarchists worldwide Beppe writes a letter explaining that he is not getting crucial health care and that the guards are actively working against him. His address is given, and even if you don't write Italian, it's always good for anarchist prisoners to get letters, both so that the guards see them and the prisoners know that they are known and remembered. Write an anarchist prisoner today. Banners and communique from Anarchists Worldwide. A communique from folks in Australia. Their website is postromanticqueerwave.noblogs.org in support of Rojava, specifically, quote, the brave Kurdish women warriors of the YPJ, unquote, and remembering the brave Gunai warriors in Australia, with humility, yay for making friends, or at least making overtures. Land of Love and Freedom, from Act for Freedom Now. An announcement of a conference? Get together? Anyway, quote, two days of libertarian publications in Calabria focusing on anarchist propaganda and the running of archives, libraries, and the anti-authoritarian press an open discussion with multiple voices on the present state of anarchism, unquote. Talks are listed. They already happened. Where is our report back? Am I going to have to go to Italy now? For those who speak or at least read Italian, after you get done writing Beppe, you can check out some titles mentioned here that might be interesting. Forest Anti-SPE Days, 24th to 27th of September, 2020, from Anarchist Worldwide. Anti-SPE apparently stands for anti-speciesist. Another call for a gathering, this time in Hombacher Forest. Quote, the Hombacher Forest is an ongoing focal point for anti-capitalism and radical ecology on the continent. Let's find each other there and take the opportunity to share skills and perspectives on how to confront human supremacy in the current context. In continuation with the anarchist animal liberation gatherings, which took place in Marseille 2016, Bristol 2017, Bilbao 2018, and Rome 2019, we aim to connect those who incorporate the fight alongside other animals and their habitats into a broader struggle against all hierarchies, a struggle for total liberation, unquote. They have a website. Interview with a member of Black Rose Portland, Secret Police on the Streets of Portland from Black Rose Federation. An extended conversation about recent protests, the scene in Portland both before the BLM protests and now. The new information for me was contextualizing the recent media and other attention on the disappearing of folks by militarized forces. Quote, question. Being outside of Portland, most of us only learned about the presence of the DHS secret police when images and videos emerged on social media of them disappearing demonstrators into unmarked cars. When did you first realize that they were present? Answer. Years ago. A great number of people in our communities have lived in fear of getting snatched by feds for many years, as ICE has a long history of pushing against our sanctuary state policies, which are supposed to prohibit local law enforcement cooperation with federal immigration authorities. However, we know and have confirmed that DHS and local police have cooperated consistently despite the supposed illegality of such activity. The past few years have seen a lot of organizing around stopping ICE from grabbing people at the local courthouse where they were targeting people." Unquote. The talk does involve an appropriate distrust of politicians. From Black Rose Federation, that is not a given. Rambles in the Fields of Anarchist Individualism Number 3. Thoughts on Self-Government, the State, Citizen, etc. From the Libertarian Labyrinth by Sean Wilburn. Here are references to and thoughts on and by Novatore, Nietzsche, the ever-present Proudhon, and Emile Armand. Quote, Novatore's vagabonds de lo spirito, who are Nietzsche's brethren, flee the apes and lunatics who worship the new idol of the state, escaping through the shattered windows into the la liberta profanatrice dei campi. Novatore calls them sovertitori, subverters or revolutionaries, and they declare themselves banditi and we are left to contemplate an open-air liberty that profanes, defiles, dishonors, violates all possible readings of profanare, if only in a world where the sacred is among the things most to be resisted." Unquote. Portland Awakens from It's Growing Desperate. IGD author takes on Crime Think Mantle, or maybe they learned how to write from Crime Think articles, or maybe they're just all the same people these days. Quote, there was no justice, and so there was no peace. The police quickly set aside their PR platitudes and came to us in force. The cacophony of flashbang grenades rattled windows, nerves, teeth. Thick, sputtering clouds of tear gas choked downtown and incapacitated passersby as the protesters scattered, terrified by this sudden brutality. The pain is unbearable. 
your eyes swell and burn, you become blind, fire in your lungs, your mouth, your stomach, you retch and spit. Every instinct screams that you are dying, panic fills you, you flee. We could not withstand it at first. Mass protests disintegrated into terrified individuals scattered to the winds. We have to do better, we told each other, clothes rank with mace and sweat. Sheltering with a friend, a stranger, a new comrade, sharing a beer, watching Hong Kong YouTube videos, thinking, learning. Not all the protesters returned, but the ones who did learned quickly. With one voice, we sang our lessons. Slow in the front, protect the back, we chanted as we learned to march at a steady pace. Walk, don't run, we called out as we learned to fight back panic and remain calm in the face of fire. Stay together, stay tight, a song we knew from the start soon augmented with the second line. We do this every night. Same shit, different day. Nothing to be afraid of. Then the feds came. Unquote. Rinch, oops, rinse, wash, repeat. Anathema, Volume 6, Issue 5, from Anathema. This publication continues to be a thoughtful look at what is happening in the world, and especially in the city of Philadelphia. I cannot speak to whoever does their Twitter account, but what is actually published is coherent and reasoned. I particularly liked what I skimmed of their review of EndNotes 5. Quote, The benefit of EndNotes' careful economic analysis is that they can and do substantiate the intuition that many of us share that capitalism is dying, potentially in the death throes of its decades-long terminal crisis of accumulation. There are many different approaches to helping it die. But how can we do better work with the grain of what other people are already feeling and seeing in order to also realize our own goals and desires, whatever those might be, unquote. No more city. From its going down. Announcing a new anarchist publication from Vancouver named No More City. Be warned, what follows is a mini rant on the use of so-called. Oh my god, people, what the fuck? So-called Vancouver? It is Vancouver. It's bad enough when people say things like so-called Canada instead of doing the research, since they're so goddamn respectful, to find out the name slash names of the region they're talking about. But Vancouver was not originally something else. It is a city of the Canadian settlers, and therefore there is no so-called about it. It is Vancouver. And saying so-called is, sorry to use this sadly too useful terminology, virtue signaling. Look, Ma, no colonialism. But no, plenty of it, just adding some half-assed acknowledgement that is there's, that there is something to be acknowledged. Ugh, very irritating. Okay, moving on. Quote, disclaimer, we exist as a publication and an aspiring historical record of anarchist activity within this doomed city. We are here to celebrate accomplishments, critique failures, and mourn losses. We as a group exist to publish and lift up other people's actions, not to directly engage. There are other awesome groups that are organizing actions on this territory, but we are not those folks. The writing we publish is not necessarily our own accounts, nor do all contributors' views reflect our own, unquote. May they learn many interesting and useful lessons. Ciao Paulo, a tribute to Paulo Finzi, 1951-2020, from Anon. A founder and contributor to the long-standing Italian anarchist magazine A Revista Anarchica and to many other projects, Paolo committed suicide. A creative death and a beautiful one for all of us. Quote, a friend and comrade through many battles, a master of anarchism and ethics, dialogue and debate, a brilliant, intelligent, sensitive and kind man who taught us to doubt and reflect, to listen and respect in a deep and profound way, unquote. Respect. Street Art for Rojava from Anarchists Worldwide. Quote, 18 to 19 July 2020. Yesterday was the day of international solidarity for Rojava. Women defend Rojava, internationalist commune, make Rojava green again, and rise up for Rojava. Make call for two days solidarity action to fight the Turkish invasion of hashtag Basur, South Kurdistan, Iraq, and hashtag Rojava. Like anarchists and other revolutionary groups around the world, we in Indonesia also have the responsibility to support the Rojava revolution and fight Turkish fascism. Several individuals and groups in several regions in Indonesia made various solidarity actions during those two days. Unquote. Bob Erler, RIP. From Anon, our second obituary this week, I guess it's that time of the world. Quote, Robert John Erler III, 82, died March 26, 2020, at an assisted living facility in White Plains, New York. He was a longtime member of the Atlantic Anarchist Circle and an organizer of the New York City Libertarian Book Club's monthly anarchist forums. 
Those of us who were part of the NYC anarchist community in the 80s, 90s, and thousands will always remember Bob's warmth, commitment, and service, unquote. Accounts from the Battle of Grant Park from Crime Think. This report back come kind of analysis of a protest in Chicago's Grant Park bears the subtitle, How Chicago Demonstrators Pushed Back the Police and Nearly Toppled a Statue, which is hilarious and just about says it all. For reference, the statue mentioned is of Christopher Columbus. Quote, despite having failed to bring down the statue, the crowd demonstrated that they have learned a number of lessons in the course of this movement. They moved together in a way that allowed for various elements to act with trust in the people around them, trust in the moment, and trust in the justice of their actions. At the end of the evening, the statue was still standing, but the resolve that initially animated the group remained palpable. They needed stronger ropes, better climbing gear, perhaps more explicit invitations to help pull the ropes. But most importantly, they had made it clear that if people come prepared and remain determined, they can face down the Chicago Police Department, unquote. As this is crime think, I have no idea who wrote the actual article, but in the contrast between almost pulling down a statue and protesters getting their literal teeth knocked in, the author's triumphant tone seems almost satirical. Lines like, quote, a truly effective protest is one that disrupts, disturbs, or damages the status quo. Those are the sort of actions that get a response in the form of concessions from the state, reforms. Although this is not a universal law, there may be outliers, it is a broadly applicable theory, unquote. Only work to solidify this feeling. Aragorn, native elegy, posted to A News by MC Verder. It's likely always going to be surreal to hear impassioned words about someone gone and greatly missed, regardless of how much time has passed, but they do seem perhaps a little less strange than the initial rush to solidify one's public feelings about that person immediately after their death. This is a poem for Aragorn. Audio and video. Immediatism 91, 92, and 93. Defiance. 21, 17, and 9 minutes, respectively, from immediatism.com. These are three readings from Detritus Books' title, Defiance. Statements from Anarchists, quote, made before judge and jury, unquote, spanning 100 years. While these statements are without a doubt brave and inspiring, I am interested in how the book tackles this line from its preface, quote, every one of these statements is imperfect. None of these people were or are heroes. Fortunately, we don't find inspiration in perfection or heroics. We find inspiration in defiance, unquote, as this format seems tailor-made for hero worship. Also, a bit of clarification on writing Derek King. He is currently under mail restrictions, and though we 100% support continuing to write him if only to let prison officials know we are paying attention, just be prepared to get those letters sent back to you. Anarchist prisoners and updates from A Radio, an hour and four minutes from the final straw. While Final Straw continues its break, this episode offers up a pleasant smattering of anarchist offerings from around the world, starting with Sean Swain, woohoo, urging people to be conscious of how they interact with their smartphones despite being locked up before they existed and, quote, not actually knowing what the fuck they are, unquote. <laughs> also on offer is a, quote, fan, unquote, of London anarchist Black Cross, whatever that's supposed to mean, who gives some information on international prisoner support and says some weird shit about supporting anarchist projects by doing things like, quote, sucking dick for the revolution, unquote. Before moving into the bad news section, which is the usual shotgun blast of international current events, we hear some words from anarchist prisoner Malik Washington on Eric King. This section, with its call to engage with the ACLU and National Lawyers Guild, initially ruffled my anarchist feathers, but as someone who just writes letters and hasn't engaged directly in prisoner support, I imagine it's good to be reminded of the absolute fuckery involved in dealing with the prison system and the compromised position we all occupy in relation to it. Not to say there aren't always more radical options, though. Fifth Estate Live with Eric Larson, an hour from Fifth Estate Live. This week, Rovix interviews a co-founder of the New York Anarchist Book Fair, Eric Larson. This is a weird and one might say not particularly anarchist conversation about how European countries and entities have responded to coronavirus the relative trust between Europeans and government in regards to the pandemic. Both say that that relationship is largely positive. Government funding, rent control, etc. It would be nice if Rovix stopped interviewing people who call themselves anarchists so we could avoid posting this show altogether. But alas. Toward Black Anarchism, Marquise Bay. An hour and 11 minutes from This Is Hell podcast. Okay, so just skip to about 18 minutes into the podcast and you'll be treated to an interview with Marquise Bay, a quote, African-American literature studies scholar Marquise Bay explores anarchism's radical critique of both the state and the self within the state and explains how blackness anarchizes anarchism, 
demanding more of this world than is possible, unquote. I had to listen to this interview twice, as the subject matter is both complex and somewhat complicated by the use of academic ways of speaking, however it is definitely worth listening to and paying attention to Bay. Their project of meeting anarchism and blackness in a way that changes both but does not abandon either is one that seems incredibly needed in the moment we're living in where current events and fraught understandings of identity are clashing full force in the anarchist space, though maybe that's always happened. Understanding blackness both as identity and process, revising the canon of anarchist thinking by introducing black thinkers thinking anarchism without saying as much, and overall attempting to create something like a black anarchism which avoids the pitfalls of most hyphenations makes me incredibly excited for Bay's upcoming book, even if it is being published by AK Press. anarchists organize an international sports event. I never come across anyone identifying as an anarchist who is opposed to fun. Arguably, fun seems to be a required aspect of any anarchist activity for it not to simply be reproducing workers' narratives that perpetuate the mechanisms of boredom. I find boredom to be absent in spaces of anarchy. Can anarchists, specifically meaning here anarchists who embrace the idea of egalitarianism, through collectivism, communism, communalism, etc., play games that involve a discernible winner and loser, though. In communist anarchist snakes and ladders, do we not all move round the board at the same speed so as not to leave anyone behind in the revolution of going up and then back down and then back up and then back down, revolving again and again and again and again? If we accept the idea that within an anarchist society, we would seek to reproduce everyday normal normal narratives like public transport, agricultural projects, and media projects, why would we not also include international or perhaps intercommunal sports events like the Olympic and Paralympic Games? How would we differentiate winners and losers, or does everyone just get a participation trophy? What sports would we include? If we don't want to exclude sports that aren't popular within the consumer media spectacle of mainstream games. Are cultural events like sports tournaments incompatible with this vision of an anarchist society or any anarchist society? Are anarchists then forbidden to play sports, regardless of whether or not they want to enjoy the fun, out of the potential risk of creating a form of social hierarchy that would contradict egalitarian principles? Thanks to the guest for this topic of the week submission. Greetings, Anarchy Land. I'm sitting here today with our longtime friend, Nettle. Hi, Nettle. Hello. Okay, I'm going to kick it to you. Go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Thanks. Um, I have to admit, uh, when I first read this topic of the week, my thought was, oh, Topic of the week. Are you drunk? <laughs> um, because it's kind of just really off the wall. Um, but then I thought about it for a bit. And I think um, absent the organizing a international event, I think there's a value to sports and playing sports and being in your body and knowing how your body works. And that's where I went with with this. If you, I did make a comment in the thread, but it kind of got out of hand. Um, <laughs> these things often do. Yes. Um, so some some of this question though was a little bit interesting to me. The the idea that somehow uh, in a game, because we're anarchists, you're not allowed to have winners and losers, and I find that just completely baffling. Because that's the whole fun of a game, of a sporting event, is to have a competition with winners and losers. And it's in the, it's circumscribed on the field. Like, you don't take that off the field. Like, because you, you know, you win a game doesn't mean you're now king, right? You're just... Winner in life! Yes. Not necessarily. Yeah. So, um, 
that's kind of just how I thought about it of, of there's value to being, to playing sports, to knowing how your, your body works and to like, yeah, I don't know. That's how I went with it. Exercise is good for you. Well, that's that. Exercise is healthy. Moving your body is a good thing. So, you know, we can add that to the list. We can. Um, well, I actually didn't even really think about the first question. Uh, and the caveats helped me with that. Um, specifically meaning here anarchists who embrace the idea of egalitarianism through collectivism, communism, or communalism. And I would actually not consider myself one of those anarchists. Right. So I didn't start the thought exercise of how would one, how would an anarchist who that's their position answered that question? Mm -hmm. Uh, because for me, it's also inherent in that. And, and so I guess probably the, the most appropriate disclosure here is that Nettle and I are both actual sports fans like we've actually gone to basketball games together and it's one of the reasons why i asked nettle to do this with me um and so like i'm totally game for the concept of here's here's the field of play these are the rules there's going to be a winner there's going to be a loser and that's going to be okay and that's part of what makes it fun yeah i also have been around long enough to and so have you to remember when there was the local anarchist soccer games yeah the yeah yeah, there was the commies and the anarchists. And, yeah, and yeah. there were like T-shirts, and there was a, yeah. it was a whole thing. It was it was. Great. I still have our team was Kronstadt, and right. I still have Kronstadt. a Kronstadt. Yeah, shirt. I still have the Kronstadt shirt. Um, and it was just fun. And I don't play soccer. Yeah, but it was tons of fun, and we would go and we would watch and we would cheer often for the wrong team, and but it, did, it didn't matter. It was just tons of fun, and everybody on the field was having a good time. It was tons of fun. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I also want to say that questioner, you have you need to come and let us know um, where you live and who the anarchists that you are hanging out with are, uh, because your opening line of "I never come across anyone identifying in- as an anarchist who is opposed to fun" is in my life, in my world, one of the most absurd statements I've ever heard in my entire life. And so clearly I need to be hanging out with the anarchists that you need to be hanging out with because, well, there's just lots of boring and anarchy. Uh, anarchists are very puritanical. So some, some of them. Yes. Yes. If you are not taking it seriously, then you are not doing the work and there is no time for jokes or laughter. I've heard this way too many times in my life. Um, okay. So I want to get to the international event which I am fascinated by and I'm really probably hyper focusing on the international part of it which I don't necessarily need to um so the question is how would you organize an international sports event and the idea of international of organizing an international anything seems overwhelming and insane to me yeah, I, I I did not. I actually just kind of forgot that that was part of the question <laughs> um, because it's kind of it's like, whoa, really? I mean, say there's a revolution tomorrow and things are different. And Yay! like in five years, we're Winners. like, OK, now we want to do a sporting event. You know, I mean, uh, maybe I, I don't think there's anything not anarchist about that, which is. Maybe no. is that part of the question? Like, like you could no. have teams from different places and, and so, that would be, I don't know. I don't think that that's a weird thing. Um, you know, people might be up in arms about like, what does international mean with the, the inference on national, right? Sure. And there are lots of anarchists who are going to take umbrage with this yeah. from the outset, right? Yeah. Which I'm, I'm like, okay, I get that. But what if you're just global? What if we just say it's global? Okay. And I don't have a problem with that. Although, how do you get there? You know, like, how do you... Well, where do you do it? Where do you do it? Um, Because these these things tend to be... um, I'm not really sure what the proper term is anymore, but I'm just going to say first world centric. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so there's all the inherent problems with that. Um, Everything like that takes money. So... 
Well, we've abolished money, so that's oh, not a, we... that's not an issue. Um. So, <laughs> but but we. So, does that mean that we have to plan it like five years out so everybody can walk? Okay, now I'm just being. Yeah, no, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, I'm thinking like, okay, if there's a primitive revolution, there's no planes, so (laughs) that's not going to happen. If there's any kind of revolution, there's no planes. Jet fuel and pilots? Come on. This is no. Yeah. Um, But okay, so we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to, all right, good faith. I'm going to take the question as it comes. Um, Like the Olympic or the Paralympic Games. So the Paralympic Games is actually really interesting, and I did a little bit of work with them when I was in college, because it is a mostly volunteer organization. uh, And it's actually all very like runs on donations and small budgets and, Hmm. um, and athletes generally have to raise their own money in their own communities to get to where they're, to to get to the games, to compete. Uh, And so I could see, I, I don't know too many more specifics, but you could, I could see there being a model there that could work mm-hmm. for anarchists. And so I, I don't know if like, are we making the requirement that you have to be an anarchist to compete? Is it just that we're going to run it in some kind of more anarchistic way, which I'm not sure what that means. I mean, obviously the Olympics leaves a terrible footprint everywhere that it goes and is a, environmental and like late capitalist nightmare in any place that it touches. And so obviously you want to do all of that differently. Um, I mean, not to mention hideously patriotic and all that other crap. So if, if it isn't about nations, if it isn't about nation states, if it isn't about that kind of identity, then how do you separate people? Um, Do you separate people by ideology? Is it the communists versus the anarchists? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and how do you do away with it becoming media spectacle? Uh, which is really what it, I mean, all sports are that. Like to me, um, participating in sports is uh, great. But watching sports is a whole other thing. Like, I'm not sure if that's the same. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, in the sense of, in the sense of what? Um, <laughs> I mean, it seems to me that you want to be able to record everything and post it so that people can watch it because most people aren't going to be able to be there. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's actually not a thing where you want lots of people to be there because, again, this is about, you know, tourists and a footprint and and the the environmental disaster that we leave in our wake and and so you know maybe the viewers are actually very limited for these events and and the point is that it gets sent out all over the world so that everybody else can see it as kind of you know almost like the opposite of the modern day olympics yeah well as i said earlier like i sort of ignored the whole international organizing (laughs) part of this question but since we're talking about it it occurs to me that and a different way of doing it might be something more like uh, a round robin elimination tournaments or something where two teams play in a particular location and then the winner goes to a different location and plays that team there. And then the winner sure. goes to someplace else and then blah, 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 blah. Sure. So that it's like you're moving around. It isn't all just in one location. But it's a little less shuffling. Yeah. And it's just like one... And I don't know how you would organize teams by region. Yeah, no idea. I don't know. Like, no. uh, maybe you just pick, like, everyone who wants to play puts their name in the hat, and then you pick, and then you sort of decide. Sure, I don't know. yeah, I don't know. So, since <laughs> we have both already stated a preference, I'm going to twist this question. The questioner poses, how would we differentiate winners and losers, or does everyone just get a participation trophy? Is an anarchist Olympics an Olympics if you don't hand out medals at the end? (laughs) Um, Or put differently, if there aren't stakes, is it worth it? No, it's got to have something. Um, I'm not sure. Um, Medals? I don't know. Like, (coughs) pardon me. um, It doesn't make sense to have to play a game and not have a winner and a loser. Sure. I'm, I'm trying to force a framing where that 
where partic- where the equivalent of an, a participation trophy isn't satisfying and I can't find it. So I would love for someone to, you know, post in the comments their version of how this would work if there weren't winners and losers. Uh, yeah, just the idea of a, like if you, just a participation trophy, that's so inadequate. And it's, I mean, you go through a <laughs> lot of work to be able to get there. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mean, as I said, as I've said now for the third time, like like the the, the tournament part of this question was not very appealing to me. <laughs> um, I think, but you're doing a great job playing sports for the idea of like having camaraderie of figuring out how you do yeah. particular things. And uh, on this side of the revolution question, you know, how do you work well with other people in? Mm-hmm. Uh, like people who've never played team sports are held to organize in a demonstration, right? Like, how do you do that? Like there's a certain sort of um, uh, nonverbal communication you work out with your teammates so that you can do certain things. And if you don't have that practice, it's hard to do that on the fly when the, when people are shooting rubber bullets at you or whatever. Right. Yeah. So to me, those are the advantages Mm -hmm. of doing uh, a team sport Mm -hmm. that it, it, transfers over into other things Mm -hmm. and that's kind of more the value in this world absent you know we've had our revolution and now we get to organize our our international sporting (laughs) event which sounds fun but yeah okay well then let's let's move on to a more interesting question what sports would we include Hmm. which i guess i i feel like i need to turn and start from another direction which is why would we exclude any sport? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe the ideas that you're going to make up. I just remember being a kid in the seventies and, and that was when people started doing the, we didn't, we weren't quite at participation trophies yet, but Mm -hmm. it was like non-competitive games were this thing. And there was like the earth ball thing. Yeah. The earth ball and the parachute and the parachute and, how horrible those things were. <laughs> just like, really oh were. my God. Yes, I am old enough that we did those in elementary school, both of them. And how the idea seems reasonable, I guess, from a certain perspective. But then when you're actually playing, you're just like, this is not fun. No. It's not fun. The parachute was cool. Yeah. But they didn't let me do any of the things I wanted to do with it. So. No, you wanted to have somebody in the middle and you make them go up and down. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that, no, I wanted to wrap dangerous. it around myself and see if I could fly. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I was, seriously, I was wondering if I could get to the roof of the building. Mm-hmm. Could they catch me if I just took it and ran? Yeah. I had, I had a whole plan. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, for me, the, the one sport that I, I would exclude maybe might be uh, American football. Just because of how how stupid it is, it's not in the Olympics. No, it's not in the Olympics. That's true. Because so I, I mean, in I, but I think that the answer for why it's not in the Olympics is really simple. It's not an international sport. No, it's only played here. Oh yeah. So, and 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 this is a place where you're gonna because I actually like American football. I was I grew up on American football, and I'm I can absolutely sit down and watch an NFL game. So, um, but I understand why nobody else plays it because God, it's awful. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. just violent and I mean, in a bad way, it's just uh, un- needlessly, Never mind. I'm just going to go off on a tangent. <laughs> um, are cultural events like sports tournaments incompatible with this vision of an anarchist society or any anarchist society? Okay. Putting aside that I'm not sh- sure what this vision is. Um, I actually think we've already touched on this, that, mm-hmm. that these kinds of, these kinds of events and playing sports like this is about camaraderie and coming together and Mm -hmm. um, a place to show something, maybe show off something that you're good at and flex your skills and be appreciated and uh, enjoy the company of people that you might not necessarily be around in a regular environment. Like on some level, this is hearkening back to the, the larger anarchist gatherings that happened in the eighties. Yeah. Um, that haven't that haven't really happened like that in a long time, and, yeah. and just the idea that you would put all these people in a room together um, mm-hmm. was amazing, and that in itself w- was enough. And you got to meet people and have relationships with them. And those also all had their downsides, and a lot of them the same ways that Olympics has its downsides. Mm-hmm. Um, but so okay, um, 
are anarchists forbidden to play sports regardless of whether or not they want to enjoy the fun um it's forbidden to forbid uh oh social hierarchy that would contradict egalitarian principles so i think because we are less likely to embrace the cult of celebrity Mm -hmm. i actually don't think hierarchy or or contra egalitarianism is an issue for us yeah i mean yeah the um the idea that um playing sports will somehow foment a social hierarchy seems not to uh not to cast aspersions on the the questioner here the person who wrote this <laughs> but it seems very high school because that, that's like what happens in high school is that the football players and the basketball right, players right. The, they have some the, social the jocks, the jocks the nerds yeah and it's been, you know, cliche, but it's more or less, I guess, true. I don't know. I haven't been a high schooler for a long time. But um, that the jocks still have some sort of cachet around mm-hmm. right. the school, whereas the rest of the people don't. And I think, no, I wouldn't want to have that happen. But I don't think that's a I don't think that's inherent in playing sports. I think that's inherent in our culture. Right. But, you know, the, I agree. Yeah. It's a different part of culture. Like, I think that's why. I think whoever wins or loses, it stays on the field. It isn't. And I, you said yeah. that earlier, and then I really conceptually, I like, I, I like the phrase, and I like the thought of that. That it matters a lot in the moment for you know, I don't know, two minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to have your fun and like, right. woohoo! Yeah, and you have your like whatever, yeah. and then you go and have a beer or something. Right. I mean, if you're gonna do that, because maybe you're straight edge, but yeah, and you go drink your. <laughs> Kombucha, not your kombucha. There we go. You, drink, <laughs> you get it. You get a, a cooler kombucha dumped on you. You've won. You were great. That was great. Perfect. Now, now we're all gonna go home. Yeah. Yeah. So it's my point about not embracing the cult of celebrity, right? Yeah. You know, some of the biggest celebrities in our culture are sports stars. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, who yes. who who do one thing really really well mm-hmm. that outside of his context is not actually a thing that matters. Right. So the um, there was just a documentary released about Michael Jordan. Oh, and, yeah. And growing up, for my generation, Michael Jordan was the basketball phenom. Uh, and, and basically one of the sports phenoms of the world. Right. And one of the things that I thought was most interesting about the documentary is that the documentary reveals that or kind of cements the idea that He's not actually this amazingly special, particularly wondrous human being. Mm-hmm. He was just exceptionally good at one thing. Yeah. And he was never political. He was never social justice He never wanted to be a role model. He never took stands. He never put himself out front of anything. And... Now it's really clear that's because he never had any interest in any of that. He just wanted to play basketball. That was all that mattered. And he wanted to be the best basketball player ever or be as good as who what who his idols were mm-hmm. from the generation before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet he was like probably the best known person on the planet for a period of a decade. Yeah. Uh, but if you take him outside of that context, the thing that he did didn't matter yeah which was fascinating to me uh and it was not what i expected at all i thought it was going to reveal this like this talented man was this he was this great man this amazing human and they were really clear that like no not really yeah i haven't watched that documentary i the only thing i've heard about it is like the reactions on twitter from sports Mm -hmm. people who Mm -hmm. were like "Ah." um but yeah that's kind of more or less what i heard yeah i don't uh uh, uh, yeah. Um, so it just all goes back to like, this is not, these are not usually things that anarchists care about. Not usually. Like, culturally, this is mostly something that we have pushed aside. And that's not entirely true. We do have our own little 
kind of cult of celebrity thing on a much smaller scale <clears throat> that plays out in a really different way. But mm-hmm. um, so I think that if you you took a sporting event like this and you removed that whole aspect from it and it was about the competition on the field in the moment and then it wasn't. Um, yeah, I, I think we could get out pretty unscathed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like sports. And, yeah. and I was going to say when I was thinking about this uh, topic of the week that I like actually watching sports too. I know I said earlier that that's kind of, it's better to participate than to watch, but there's something about watching somebody who's really good at something. Absolutely. Do it. Um, it's just, it's like almost an education in itself yep. of just like figuring out who this person is and what, what the, what a human body is capable of. It's Absolutely. And it's like, it's awesome you know, like to see people do particular things. Um, my favorite thing now um, uh, is to watch skateboarders, like watch skate videos. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, some Absolutely. of the things these pe- these kids do and not just kids, but, um, you know, even grown ass adults. And you're just like, what the heck? Because um, I, I struggle to actually stay on a skateboard at this point. <laughs> no, no kidding, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, hey, it's fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I I think I'm just gonna. I'm 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 done. Okay, <laughs> we've we've okay. Well, now that we've tapped out, Nettle, again, thank you to our um, anonymous guest submitter for this odd, thought provoking topic of the week. Um, yeah, but this was this actually was much better than I thought it was going to be. That was great. So thank you to you. Thank you for listening, Anarchy Land. Uh, Stay safe out there. Uh, Stay angry and take care of yourselves. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Now basketball is my favorite sport. Uh I like the way to dribble up and down the court. I keep it so fresh on the microphone. I like no interruption when the game is on. I like slam dunk to take me to the hoop. My favorite play is the Uh alley-oop. I like to pick and roll. I like to give and go. And it's basketball. Bow Bow out. Let's go. Oh, geez. Oh, oh. Beautiful dunk. Yeah. What's up? Yo, I got the rock in my hands. Ain't no telling what I'm gonna do with it. When I got possession, I'ma act a fool with it.